It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Markets, headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures on the rise this morning. S&P futures up about seven points or two-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up 81 or a quarter percent. And NASDAQ futures up about two-tenths of a percent or 19 points. The DAX in Germany is up two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds. Yield 3.70 percent. The yield on the two-year 4.28 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.4 percent of $1.83 at $79.32 a barrel. COMEX gold up six-tenths percent or $10.60 at eighteen oh five ninety. Announce the euro 1.0612 against the dollar. British pound 1.2067. The yen's at 132.73, and Bitcoin is up a third of a percent at about sixteen thousand eight hundred fifty dollars. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan, Karen, thank you. To six fifty six on Wall Street. Bloomberg surveillance is straight ahead. First, let's look under these gains we're seeing in the futures contract. Some of the pre market movers. We're joined now by Bloomberg Equities reporter Sagrika Jasingani. Sagrika, good morning. Got to start with Tesla, are investors buying now that Elon Musk says he's done selling? Good morning, Nathan. Thank you for having me. Uh, that's right. Elon Musk is back in focus this morning. Uh, as you said, this time it's with Tesla, which is gaining in pre-market trading. It's about, uh, it's up about a percent at the moment after Musk said he isn't planning to sell any more shares in the company for two years. Just to put that into context, uh, Musk has sold about $40 billion of stock this year, mainly to fund his takeover of Twitter. And, um, after being one of the outperformers in the Post-COVID uh, stock market recovery, Tesla shares are down about 64% this year. Um, investors just this week have raised concerns that the Twitter takeover could distract Musk from Tesla at a time when the demand for electric vehicles is already slowing. So it will also be interesting to see if Musk keeps his word this time, as he has said previously that he would stop selling shares, but then he just went on to sell more. Yeah, it was interesting as well to see a pretty big move in one of the favorites this year for retail traders, AMC Entertainment. They came out with that plan to convert preferred equity and the shares dropped pretty significantly yesterday. How's AMC doing this morning? 
Uh, that's right. It's it's down about 7% again this morning. Um, so as you said, AMC, which of course operates the world's largest uh, movie theater chain. Uh, so it looks like it's set for another day of declines after it proposed yesterday that it would convert preferred equity units into common shares. The main uh, motive for that is to avoid becoming a penny stock. And the company is seeking a special shareholder meeting to vote on the board's proposals. Now, um, the shares had tumbled about 22% yesterday at one point, but it is, uh, it's worthy, um, of noting that they did pair a lot of that by the time they closed. So it could go either way today. I see you're watching another name that's moving on earnings this morning. You're making me hungry, Sagrika, with this, uh, <laughs> r- r- report on, uh, Mission Produce, the, uh, avocado <laughs> supplier. Definitely. All those, um, you know, breakfast sandwiches calling to us as we go into the <laughs> holiday season. About time. <laughs> well, um, so- uh, Mission Produce isn't moving yet this morning, but it did slump about 13% after the closing bell yesterday when the company reported disappointing results for the fourth quarter. And it has also forecast lower pricing in the first quarter on a sequential basis. However, um, in a bright spot, it did say that the industry is expecting volumes to be higher in the next quarter, uh, primarily due to expectations for a larger Mexican harvest. All right. Sagar Jaisangani, Bloomberg Equities reporter. Thanks for this. Really appreciate you having, uh, having you on with us this morning. Looking ahead to the market open, uh, futures are moving higher. S&P futures up five points. Dow futures up uh, 71. And uh, Nasdaq futures are on the rise right now by 13 points. Ten-year treasuries down 7.30 seconds, yield 3.7%. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager along with Karen Moscow. Bloomberg surveillance starts right now. Live from the financial capital of the world, broadcasting across the globe, this is WBBR New York, Bloomberg 1130. This is the most expected, most anticipated recession ever. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are on the rise this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. A modest bounce in the futures after yesterday's sell-off with Dow futures up 82 points. S&P's gained 7 and NASDAQ futures rise by 22. The U.S. 10-year yield at 3.7%. Gold is higher by 5. Oil is in the green. And Bitcoin is trading little changed. Japan fell 1% overnight while European markets are quiet this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, PCE deflator and durable goods orders. And at 10 o'clock, Michigan sentiment and new home sales. In other news, Elon Musk vowed to stop selling Tesla shares for the next two years. And Facebook agrees to pay $725 million over the Cambridge Analytical, Analytica scandal. Wrapping things up, Charter was upgraded to Ecoweight over at Wells Fargo. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? 
Right, Bill, thanks, dear. Live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Frigid air making its way east across the U.S. with several states issuing blizzard warnings. Meteorologists warning the conditions could create bomb cyclone conditions in spots. The weather has also caused widespread travel disruptions. The Senate passed a $1.7 trillion spending bill yesterday in an effort to stop a government shutdown. The bill now heads to the House where it is expected to pass. In the NFL, the Jets lost to the Jaguars 19-3. In the NHL, the Islanders beat the Rangers 5-3. The Bruins won. In the NBA, the Wizards lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. At 642 on Wall Street, we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. BioNTech has begun human trials on a vaccine for malaria. It's a fresh test for the messenger RNA technology that powered the most successful immunizations against COVID-19. The first patient was dosed two days ago, and the Phase 1 study will enroll 60 patients and use three different doses for a single vaccine candidate, according to BioNTech CEO. Huawei has secured an extension to a patent licensing deal with Nokia, suggesting the Chinese company continues to lead in networking technology. The announcement indicates appetite for access to Huawei's next-generation telecom patents remains strong. That's in spite of U.S. accusations the Chinese giant poses a threat to national security. And in massive final stage trials underway at Eli Lilly and ASI, researchers plan to test brain plaque removing drugs on thousands of healthy adults. Now, the hope is to stave off cognitive decline before it begins or at least delay it. And it's a method drug makers are testing in hopes of stopping Alzheimer's before it starts. That's really one to watch, Nathan Hager. Yeah. That's the, yeah, it's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. I mean, that could be a remarkable breakthrough if it goes through. It's something that uh, I know that uh, Alzheimer's patients have been waiting for for years. Thank you for this, Karen. We're coming up to 644 on Wall Street. It's time now to check what's going on in D.C. Hardly a sleepy December in the nation's capital. The January 6th committee just dropped its final report, and it blasts former President Donald Trump for the Capitol assault. Also making news, a giant funding bill passing the U.S. Senate, Ukraine aid and election fix No new COVID funds, though, in this legislation. And President Biden targeting Russian mercenaries. The latest round of sanctions over the war in Ukraine. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins is taking some time away from uh, pouring through the uh, January 6th report to give us an idea of what's in it. Emily, good morning. I guess the big takeaway is that for this committee, blame for the insurrection comes down to one man, Donald Trump. Yeah, that's been the committee's uh, thesis all along. And now the committee is saying that they need to, uh, Congress rather, needs to move to make sure that Trump cannot be president again, uh, that, that the others involved with the uh, January 6th insurrection also cannot hold any sort of government office or military office. Um, this comes uh, as a, the report basically summarizes a lot of what we saw the committee already discussed in their last several hearings. But we have gotten a couple of new details, such as the fact that the Trump campaign tried to contact nearly 200 state legislatures to get support for state-level action on overturning election results, that includes lawmakers in the key states of Pennsylvania and Michigan. Um, so really just the, the support is just sort of capping off a lot of what we've already heard 
and seeing from the committee, um, just in terms of, of really this per, uh, solidifying that recommendation that Trump not be allowed to hold public elected office again. What do you expect happens now, Emily? This committee has been meeting, holding hearings for more than a year and a half now. It's come out with its final report. But as you know, the committee is going to be disbanded in the next couple of weeks here when the new Congress comes in. The ball is really, really now in the Justice Department's court. They've also been looking into and investigating uh, what's what happened with the insurrection, as well as Trump's attempts to overturn the election. Uh, remember, they hired that special counsel to try and uh, make it a little less politicized as well. Uh, and so we're going to just be wait, waiting for them to see what their results are. We know that investigation is underway, that they are seeking documents. And a lot of what we are seeing in this January 6th committee report that's going to be going towards the Justice Department and towards their investigation. So the fact that we have all these transcripts out now, all these text messages, that the committee has really l- released their probe of data, a lot of that is going to go now toward the Justice Department's own investigation. What about the recommendations that are coming out of this report? From the uh, Bloomberg reporting on the terminal, there's a lot of detail, a lot of uh, summarizing of what happened during the insurrection. But when it comes to what comes next from what this committee is recommending, it seems as though it's a little bit vague, uh, a little bit a little bit thin when it comes to what the committee wants to see. Well, for a certain part with the committee, they're limited in what they can do, right? I mean, they're not able to pass legislation. They're not able to actually bring charges against someone. What the committee and what you've really heard from lawmakers who sat on it from the beginning have said is that they really want to make sure that they are doing a thorough investigation into what happened. They see themselves as writing sort of like a comprehensive uh, draft of history of exactly what happened in the lead up to January 6th and on January 6th. And that's what they really sort of framed their efforts as. There was debate among the committee as to whether to do any sort of criminal referral to what to refer. They wound up with four charges, more were discussed. Um, so I think we're sort of seeing the limits of, of the, of the committee's power right now in exactly what they're going to do going forward. Because you're right, Nathan. I mean, they're going to disband and Republicans are, are, you know, if anything, they're going to set up a committee to investigate the January 6th committee, but we're not going to see a lot of these investigations investigative efforts next Congress. Got about a minute or so left here, Emily, and I guess the final act of this Congress is to uh, pass a massive spending bill. It got a bipartisan vote in the Senate last night. What are we expecting out of the House? Uh, It's all just a matter of process now, Nathan. We are expecting the House to pass it. Of course, Democrats have the votes. We saw a couple of Republicans as well being supportive of the week-long extension to get us to this point. Um, we are, we do know that this isn't going to get the same level of bipartisan support that it got, uh, over in the Senate. Republicans have been really strongly whipping against this bill, uh, including House uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who's set to become Speaker next year, but has a handful of Republican colleagues who are saying, you know, we're not too sure, we're concerned about spending. So this will be a, it's, it's a chance for Kevin McCarthy to try and show his members that he is serious about cutting spending. But at the same point, there's every indication that this bill is going to pass. The only reason that it hasn't yet is because there's a whole network of processes and procedures that have to go on and they just weren't able to get those done uh, by Thursday. And so that's why we're coming back today 
Uh, but the House is very much expected to pass this $1.7 trillion government funding bill. Yeah, I'm sure they want to do it in a hurry before the temperatures get really, really cold and a big winter storm heads Washington's they way. Thanks. very worried about that. Yeah, I would <laughs> imagine so. Uh, Emily Wilkins of Bloomberg Government, as always, thanks for keeping us up to speed uh, on what's happening in the nation's capital. Hope you and yours have a very happy holiday, and we'll talk again in the new year. Bloomberg Government's Emily Wilkins with us this morning. Read more at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal, where you can find a link to the January 6th report as well. And follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. S&P futures are higher now by 7 points. Dow futures up 83. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 26 points. Ten-year treasuries down. 830 seconds, yield 3.70%. And the yield on the two-year right now, 4.28%. Check Bitcoin. It's up three-tenths percent, 16850. This is Bloomberg. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are higher ahead of inflation data due out later this morning. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg with S&P futures up 12 points or three-tenths of a percent. Dow and NASDAQ futures both also up three-tenths of a percent with Dow futures up 115 points and NASDAQ futures up 36. The DAX in Germany is up about four-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 9.30 seconds, yield 3.71 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.29 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.8 percent. Up a dollar thirty-five at seventy-eight dollars eighty-six cents a barrel. Comex gold up six tenths percent, or eleven dollars fifty cents at eighteen oh six eighty an ounce. The euro one point oh six two five against the dollar. British pound one point two zero eight seven. The yen one thirty-two point six seven, and bitcoins up three tenths of a percent at about sixteen thousand eight hundred fifty dollars. Investors will be focused on the core PCE deflator today. It's a key inflation measure tracked by the Fed. It's at eight thirty Wall Street time, along with personal income and spending and durable goods orders. While new home sales and consumer sentiment are out at 10. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A winter storm has caused thousands of flight cancellations amid one of the most treacherous holiday travel seasons in the nation that has ever been in decades. The House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol delivered a scathing report. In its release yesterday, it blamed one man, former President Donald Trump, for inciting violence to try and hold on to power. The Senate passed a $1.7 trillion spending bill in an effort to stop a government shutdown. In the NFL, it looks like New York's gang green suffered from jet jag. The Jets mm. lost to the Jaguars. Oh, 19-3. The NHL, the Islanders beat the Rangers. The Bruins won. NBA, the Wizards lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. We're coming up to 624 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And later today, the House takes its final action of the year, a $1.7 trillion spending bill that includes billions in aid to Ukraine. The Senate passed it on a bipartisan vote last night, a day after Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky came to Washington, addressing Congress in his first trip outside his war-torn country since the Russian invasion began. And for more on what the speech meant to lawmakers, Bloomberg's Joe Matthews spoke with former ambassador to Poland, Daniel Fried. That speech brought home to a lot of members of Congress that this is a real war and the Ukrainians are fighting back. 
Zelensky symbolizes their resistance, and those kind of human moments make a difference. I remember when Lech Wałęsa spoke to Congress in 1990, uh, 1989. Uh, they increased U.S. assistance for Poland right at the beginning of its transformation. Now, communism has already gone when Wałęsa was here, and the fighting is still raging in Ukraine. But speeches like this by leaders who symbolize resistance or Winston Churchill coming to Washington right after Pearl Harbor. Yeah. So those, those are fair comparisons for you. In. Yeah, I think, I think it's fair. This is a big war. Putin started a major land war in Europe. We haven't seen this in Europe since 1945. And it's a war of conquest. So you bet it's a big deal. And American interests are at stake. They're at stake now in Ukraine, the same uh, way we had interests at stake in Europe during World War II. Mm -hmm. And for the same reason, by the way, uh, the one sentence is <laughs> it's not in American interest to have dictators uh, trampling other countries in Europe. It's not in the American interest. Roughly 85 House Republicans were in the chamber for the speech. We know that there were several of them not applauding or or standing uh, for the ovations, Ambassador, what's your thought on that? What would be your message to them? Well, what would Ronald Reagan say? Hmm. He'd be applauding a fighter for freedom. He believed in, in those fighting for freedom. He didn't believe in caving to dictators. And I do understand the calls for a good accounting of the money that we've been spending on behalf of the Ukrainians, and the, I think the Biden administration is, is ready to answer those questions. Huh. But for some, it's not what some Republicans, a minority, thank goodness, think it's not in the American interest, or a few are even on Putin's side, which is simply revolting. Right. Do you believe that money has been well. spent wisely? I think so. And I think that Ukraine's resistance has been made possible by the weapons the Americans have sent, that we have sent. That's a good investment. You're investing in freedom and investing in showing a dictator, that's Vladimir Putin, that he's not going to win. And Americans should consider, suppose the Ukrainians win. That's a big deal. And that's former ambassador to Poland, Daniel Fried. Speaking with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. You can catch the show weeknights at 5 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio, or you can download the show, listen to it anytime, wherever you get your podcasts. We have your top stories of the morning, local headlines, and a check of markets next. First, the holiday weekend weather forecast. Rain tapers off as some scattered showers. It'll be windy today. Temperatures will drop from the 50s into the 30s. We have a wind advisory in effect for the tri-state area through 10 p.m. Partially clearing, breezy overnight. The winds die down a bit. Lows overnight, 10 to 15. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny at times. It's breezy, cold, highs 20 to 25. Clear, breezy Christmas Eve. Then sunny Christmas Day, 25 to 30. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Coming up to 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Innovation Refunds. Your business may be eligible to receive a payroll tax refund. The application takes around eight minutes, eight minutes or less, to see if your small to medium-sized business may be eligible for a refund of up to $26,000 per employee kept on the payroll during the pandemic. Find out at GetRefunds.com. Up first, U.S. Future Futures are higher after stocks snapped a three-day winning streak yesterday. Tech stocks in particular are on course for their worst December since the dot-com bubble burst. Nomura's head of cross-asset strategies, Matthew Rowe, believes there'll be one trade in particular that will cause investors some pain next year. I think it's growth stocks. I mean, I think when you look at, you know, with interest rates at zero, the present value of anything is equal to what it will be in the future um, as a discounting function. And when you start to take rates up, especially for non-profitable companies, it gets pretty ugly from a fundamental perspective. Matthew Rowe with Nomura says the broader tech downturn is a sign of a market trend that could continue into 2023. And investors will have some more economic data to digest, Karen, before the holiday weekend. We get the latest reading on consumer spending at 8.30 Wall Street time. Then at 10, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. All right. And meanwhile, in China, Nathan, we're learning this morning nearly 37 million people may have been infected with COVID-19 on a single day this week, according to estimates from the government's top health authority, making the country's outbreak by far the world's largest. Comes on the heels of a complete reversal in the country's strict COVID-0 policy. Uh, turning to Tesla now, after offloading a massive sum of shares this year, the CEO Elon Musk says he will not be selling shares for a while. Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live. Steve? Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Shares of Tesla climbed as much as 3.5% in pre-market trading after Elon Musk said he's done offloading for now. I'm not selling any stock for, I don't know, a quarter minimum 18 to 24 months. So you can count on me like no, no stock sales until probably, I don't know, 25, 2025 or something. Musk has made such declarations before only to sell more stock. Much of the $40 billion of shares he sold this year were to fund his acquisition of Twitter. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Steve, thank you. Turning to crypto now and the latest on FTX and Sam Bankman-Free. The exchange's former CEO has released in a massive bail package after making his first U.S. court appearance yesterday. And in politics, the U.S. House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol has released its final report casting blame on former President Donald Trump specifically for inciting violence to try to hold on to power. And that's the five things that you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Innovation Refunds. And again, futures are higher, S&P futures. They're up a quarter percent or nine points this morning. Dow futures up three-tenths percent or 101 points. NASDAQ futures up 25 points or two-tenths of a percent. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It is 631 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in New York and around the world. We're going to be shivering very soon. Here's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A nasty winter storm has caused thousands of flight cancellations, including here in the tri-state area. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has more. Michael, a powerful winter storm continues to develop over the eastern Great Lakes this morning. This system is going to be driving a cold front through uh, much of the eastern part of the country this morning, where we're seeing temperatures in the 50s and 60s out ahead of the front, generally in the teens across the Ohio River Valley behind the front, and then it's in the single digits below zero across the western Ohio River Valley. All this air now going to work its way into the southeastern United States today, the mid-Atlantic states, and the northeast. It's also going to set up some very potent lake effect snows outside of Buffalo. 
Buffalo today, they could see anywhere from one to three feet of snowfall from today through Christmas Day. And it's also going to be accompanied by winds that are going to be gusting at times over 60 miles an hour. This is going to be one of the coldest Christmases for the century United States, probably since 1983. Coldest Christmas in the Northeast since at least 2013. Michael? Thank you, Rob. A trip on a Staten Island ferry turned out to be anything but a normal ride last night. We received a 911 call reporting a fire in the engine room of one of the Staten Island ferries. Frank Lee with the FDNY says more than 800 passengers had to be evacuated. The Senate passed a $1.7 trillion spending bill in an effort to stop a government shutdown. Democratic Senator Patrick Leahy. Most of what's in here has been put together in a bipartisan fashion, funding things that we all say we agree with. Republican Senator Richard Shelby. This bill, we know what it is. We know it's omnibus. We know it's not perfect. Uh, but it's got a lot of stuff in it, a lot of good stuff. The bill includes a $40 billion aid for disaster relief. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. Almost 6.34 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Hard to believe now, but the Jets not that long ago were flirting with the idea of winning the AFC East. They're in last place now. Their season's pretty much gone down the tubes. Four straight losses, just two wins in the last eight games. Again last night in the Jets' home finale. Pretty good effort by the defense, allowing Jacksonville to score only one touchdown, but virtually no offense. Jets got an early field goal only because of a Jaguars fumble, and they didn't score after that. First half, they had three first downs, 66 yards. Zach Wilson threw another interception. Late third quarter, Wilson got benched again. The crowd loved that. This time in favor of the undrafted former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, Chris Strebler, who had some good moments for the Jets in the preseason. He outplayed Wilson. He ran for 54 yards in just over a quarter. But the Jaguars made it three straight wins, five wins in their last seven games. They won in the rain 19-3, to and Wilson was asked about losing his job again. We're not doing anything offensively, and, you know, I'm trying to figure it out, We're trying to help get the guys going. I'm trying to, you know, get myself in a little bit of rhythm, and, and you know, we had nothing there. And so, you know, you can't blame him in that situation. You know, you put Chris out there, and he's obviously great with his legs and his arm, and, and he was able to, to give us a little bit of a spark. The Giants play tomorrow at Minnesota. If the Giants win, and they get two of three teams to lose between Seattle Detroit and Washington, the Giants clinch a playoff berth. At the Garden, Rangers pick the Islanders 5-3. to three. Goal to assist for Barkley Goodrow. Capo Caco scored the go-ahead goal with under three minutes left. Home games for the Knicks and Nets tonight. Knicks welcome in Chicago, and the Nets keep their, look to keep their win streak going against Milwaukee. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today, or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. It's 635 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. As the demise of the FTX crypto empire unfolds, lawmakers and regulators are grappling with a question. What, if anything, should they try to do to civilize a market so rife with abuse? Some might be tempted to sit back and hope the crypto market will simply burn out, putting an end to the whole bizarre episode. But that would be wishful thinking. Officials need to act on the lessons of 2022's fiascos, from the collapse of the Terra stablecoin to FTX, to ensure that renewed speculation never threatens the broader financial system. Clear rules would provide authorities with the framework they need to crack down on bad actors, a category into which FTX would have fallen. A few regulatory fixes should prevent crypto from becoming a systemic threat. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It's 636 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Bernie Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. The extreme cold is endangering crops, livestock, and rail lines, and the latest blow to food supplies. I'm Jeff Bubbinger, and on WTVN in Columbus, I'll be updating the business and financial impact of the big winter storm. I'm Caroline Hetfield, Bloomberg DAB Radio in London. We are reporting on border force workers on strike as we await news on new strike dates from the nurses' union. I'm Steve Podisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about the golden age of television getting a little tarnished as streaming services cut costs. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting the city has awarded recreational marijuana licenses to 33 companies. And those are some of the stories that our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. Right now, futures are moving higher, uh, though trimming some of the uh, gains on the session. Right now, S&P futures are up uh, seven points. That's a gain of two-tenths percent. Dow futures are higher by 89. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 23 points. Uh, The futures have been as high as four-tenths percent higher. So, as I said, uh, giving back some of the gains right now. Ten-year Treasury is down 830 seconds, yield 3.70 percent. And the yield on the two-year right now, 4.28 percent. Straight ahead... We'll head to the nation's capital where they're pouring through the January 6th report and getting ready to pass a giant spending bill before lawmakers try to beat their way ahead of a storm. This is Bloomberg. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, December 23rd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Markets look for gains ahead of the holidays amid concerns over Fed tightening. The January 6th committee releases a scathing report with blame focusing on former President Trump. Sam Bankman-Fried released on a massive bail payment. And soaring COVID cases threaten China's economy. People taking planes, trains, and automobiles are hoping a winter storm does not play Grinch with holiday travel plans, plus a fire on a New York ferry. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower. The Jets' losing streak continued a struggling offense and a home loss to Jacksonville. The Rangers beat the Islanders. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning, and we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 14 points or a third of a percent. Dow futures up about the same or 127 points. And Nasdaq futures up four-tenths percent or 46 points. The DAX in Germany is up four-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 6.30 seconds, yield 3.70 percent. And the yield on the two-year is at 4.27 percent. Nathan. All right, so we're on the rise this morning, Karen, but stocks snapped a three-day win streak yesterday. The latest strong economic data seem to validate the case that the Federal Reserve can continue tightening monetary policy, and that set a downbeat tone. Tech stocks in particular are on course for their worst December 
since the burst of the dot-com bubble. Nomura's head of cross-asset strategies, Matthew Rowe, says it's a sign of a broader market trend. We're sort of getting off of that addiction to zero interest rate free ride on risk. And that's why I think 2023 is going to be the year of credit, because most investors haven't had to contemplate rising implied and actual default rates, you know, eroding credit markets, widening credit spreads. So it's going to be an interesting education and path for investors. Yeah, Matthew Rowe with Nomura says growth stocks will be the big pain trade in 2023. And Nathan investors get more data to digest today just ahead of the holiday weekend. Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice has a preview. In October, consumer spending adjusted for inflation posted the largest increase since the start of the year. Today's report could tell a different story as inflation chips away at household finances. Preliminary data show November retail sales dropped by the most in nearly a year. Also on today's data agenda, new home sales. Vinny Dell, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. And we'll get one more notable data point at 10 a.m. Wall Street time at the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. That report has proven to be a market mover in recent months. All right, let's turn to markets moves in Asia now, Karen. We saw weakness across several markets ahead of the weekend, and Bloomberg's Brian Curtis has more. Asian equities tracked lower after a slump in U.S. technology stocks. Strong U.S. economic data strengthened the case for the Fed to continue raising interest rates. The Hang Seng Tech Index led the falls, but weakness was also seen in Japan, Australia, and South Korea. Elsewhere, oil headed for a big weekly gain as China's shift away from COVID zero bolstered the outlook for demand. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thanks. Meanwhile, in China, we're learning this morning nearly 37 million people may have been infected with COVID-19 on a single day this week, according to estimates from the government's top health authority, making the country's outbreak by far the world's largest. It comes on the heels of a complete reversal in the country's strict COVID-0 policy. All right, let's turn back to this country, Karen. A major note in politics of the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. They've released their final report on the insurrection, and it casts the blame on former President Donald Trump specifically for inciting violence to try to hold on to power. The 814-page report details the Trump effort to uh, pressure state officials and the Justice Department to overturn the 2020 election. The committee also recommends that Congress establish a mechanism that would formally bar Trump and others identified in the report from holding any government or military office under the 14th Amendment. Well, we turn to Tesla now, Nathan. After offloading a massive sum of Tesla shares this year, CEO Elon Musk says he won't be selling shares for a while. On Bloomberg, Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Musk sold almost $40 million of Tesla shares already, mostly to fund his purchase of Twitter. And now he's ready to take a break. I'm not selling any stock for, I don't know, I'd call it a minimum 18 to 24 months. So you can count on me like no no stock sales till probably, I don't know, 2025 or something. Musk's declaration was in response to a question from longtime investor Ross Gerber, who challenged the CEO's leadership of the electric vehicle maker. Shareholders seemed pleased with the announcement, with Tesla stock rising as much as 3.5% in pre-market trading. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. Now let's get the latest on FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. The collapsed crypto exchange's former CEO was released on a massive bail package after he made his first U.S. court appearance yesterday. The package includes a $250 million personal recognizance bond secured by his parents' home in California. One federal prosecutor calls this one of the largest pretrial bonds in U.S. history. Sam Bankman-Fried faces fraud charges over the collapse of FTX. His next court appearance isn't too far away now, scheduled for January 3rd. 
Well, as the FTX saga plays out, Nathan, SEC Chair Gary Gensler is saying the agency's patience is wearing thin for digital asset exchanges and other firms that shirk its regulations. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. In an interview yesterday, SEC Chair Gary Gensler said the agency's patience is wearing thin for digital asset exchanges and other firms that shirk its regulations. Gensler said the runway is getting shorter to start following rules and register with the agency. He also said the casinos in this Wild West are non-compliant intermediaries. Gensler also declined to identify firms facing scrutiny or comment on where the probe of FTX may go next. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. And oil's headed for a substantial weekly gain as Russia says it may cut crude production in response to the G7 price cap on its exports. Taking a look at the price now, NYMEX crude is moving higher by 1.9% of $1.43 at $78.92 a barrel. S&P futures are higher by 16 points. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 6.07 on Wall Street, 55 degrees in New York, but it's not going to stay mild for long. We expect temperatures to sink like a stone this afternoon. And Michael Barr is here to help us get ready for it. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. 200 million Americans are expected to be affected by this massive winter storm rolling across the country. Here in the tri-state area, temperatures are forecast, like you said, to plummet around 30 degrees an hour. Freezing any rain already on the roads. Strong winds, snow, and flooding are also part of the storm. This woman lives in Lindenhurst, New York, where she says there was flooding from heavy rain just last week. I do get nervous as far as losing power and just trying to manage what we're going to do as far as eating and just making sure we have the heat on. Hundreds of flights have already been canceled or delayed in the tri-state area. Meanwhile, President Biden warned Americans to take the storm seriously. It goes from Oklahoma all the way to uh, Wyoming and Wyoming to Maine, and it's a real consequence. So I encourage everyone, everyone, please heed the local warning. The president says it's not like a snow day when you were a kid. This is serious stuff. Hundreds of New York City commuters had to be evacuated from a Staten Island ferry after a fire broke out on board last evening. Officials say there were no major injuries, but at least five people are being treated for smoke inhalation. Officials say workers quickly detected the fire, activated a high-tech suppression system, and sealed the flames behind airtight doors. FDNY Deputy Chief Frank Lee praised the crew members for their response. This is the way the system's supposed to happen. When there's an engine room fire, it, you're supposed to notify the Coast Guard. And then you're supposed to make sure that you seal it and get the people out of the way. So everybody acted the way that the way I would expect them to. The FDNY's Frank Lieb says passengers filed downstairs and evacuated onto other ferries, which had raced to help. A Connecticut judge denied InfoWars host Alex Jones's motion seeking a new trial and the overturning of a jury verdict requiring him to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to families of victims of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings. For years, Jones described the 2012 shootings in Newtown as a hoax. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
609 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Sanchez. All right, Nathan. Didn't seem as if this was possible, but things have gone from bad to worse for the Jets' young quarterback, Zach Wilson. Lost his job to Mike White. Got it back when White got hurt. Lost his job again last night. Got benched late third quarter, and the fans who braved the weather went wild when Wilson was removed. In favor of Chris Strebler, Wilson was the second pick of the draft. Strebler is the former Winnipeg Blue Bomber who wasn't drafted at all. Jacksonville won in the rain at MetLife 19-3. to Both teams are now 7-8, and but the Jaguars are red hot, and if they win their last two games, they're going to the playoffs. The Jets fading fast. They've lost four in a row, six of the last eight. Their season, which was going so well earlier, will almost certainly end in a couple of weeks, and then the Jets will have to decide what to do with Wilson. Giants play tomorrow in Minnesota. Philadelphia brings its 13-1 and record into Dallas, and Gardner Minshew will quarterback the Eagles for the injured Jalen Hurts. Lamar Jackson's going to miss a third straight game for Baltimore. At the Garden, Rangers and Islanders. Goes back into the near point for Trocek, for Panarin at the circle. Back up top for Fox straight away. Fox drives to the far circle. Fox still with it. Passes to Zvanajak quickly. Panarin with a flash, and he scores! For Timmy Panarin on the power play. Rangers and Islanders have tied at one. ESPN Newark the call. They were also tied at two and then three, and that's when Capo Caco scored with under three minutes left. The Rangers won five to three. They held the Islanders to only 18 shots. And the Rangers have won eight of their last nine, while the Islanders have lost five of six. Knicks have won eight of nine. They host Chicago tonight. The Nets go for an eighth win in a row. Home game with first place Milwaukee. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off. In the Audi model you've always wanted, visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Or visit AudiOffers.com. For more information, futures taking a leg higher this morning. We've got S&P futures up 14 points. Dow futures up 129. NASDAQ futures are higher by 48 points. That's a gain of four-tenths percent across the board for the uh, futures indices. Ten-year treasuries down 630 seconds, yield 3.70%. The yield on the two-year right now, 4.28%. Long bond, the 30-year yield, 376 Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager, and we are joined this morning by Sam Stovall, Chief Investment Strategist at CFRA Research, as we limp our way to the end of 2022 and look ahead to 23. Sam, good morning. I'm really uh, looking forward to getting your perspective on what we've seen in 2022 with the S&P on track for a 20% decline this year as the Fed fights inflation. It seems as though fighting the Fed has been a losing game. What do you make of the action that we have seen in this year gone by? Well, good morning, Nathan. Uh, certainly it is one of the uh, 10 worst performing years going back to 1990. So if there is any kind of consolation, uh, historically, when we have had a negative year, it's been positive the year after, rising an average of 14%. And only in the uh, three-year mega meltdown of 2000 through 2002 did we have back-to-back negative years. So, you know, if there is some sort of a consolation, it is that possibly we end up with a, a positive return in 2023. Do you think that's a possibility, given the messaging that we've heard, not just from the Fed, but central banks around the world, particularly with the move from the Bank of Japan just this week, that higher for longer is going to be the story into 2023? Well, that certainly is the worry. Um, 
And also the worry is that because so many strategists are saying that 2023 will be a tale of two halves, where the first half is the challenging one, where a bottom will likely be put into place, and that we then have a recovery in the second half, uh, one has to worry, well, either we don't get any kind of a, a real meaningful decline and that the October 12th low was the low for this market, or we end up slipping into a multi-year mega meltdown bear market. I'm going to stick with the tale of two halves. I believe that the Fed will stop raising rates by the end of the first quarter of 23. And history tells us that the Fed starts to cut interest rates about eight and a half months after the last rate hike. So that would point to December as a possible beginning of an easing move. There's still a lot of unknowns uh Heading into that forecast, though, isn't there? We've still got a war in Ukraine. We've got this uh, COVID situation in China where we're just hearing from the Chinese government that as many as 37 million people in one day could have been infected with this dramatic shift from COVID zero uh, to a uh, something of a an attempt at reopening that's causing the virus to explode. What about some of those exogenous factors that are out of the Fed's control? Well, those are certainly items that investors have to be concerned with. Uh, we've had almost a year's worth of uh, confrontation in Ukraine. Um, so possibly 2023 would actually bring some sort of resolution, um, ceasefire, et cetera, which I think would be very supportive, at least of European equities. Uh, also, maybe we find that China is more willing to import vaccines from the U.S., which would be helpful to their situation as well. Wall Street has constantly climbed a wall of worry, and these have been with us for a while. So uh, I think that that likely has already been factored into share prices and forecasts. How about the earnings backdrop going forward here? We got strong earnings this week from sort of consumer-facing names like FedEx and Nike, disappointing results from uh, some of those tech names like Micron Technologies. What does that tell us about the earnings picture uh, heading into the first quarter? Well, it's offering a glimmer of hope in an otherwise dismal environment because now expectations are that we will be slipping into an earnings recession with the fourth quarter of this year being down 2.8%, followed by negative year-on-year changes in 2023 for the first two quarters, uh, and then starting to see a comeback in the second half with a more than 10% advance expected for 2024. So I think that uh, historically we've found that uh, earnings recessions have been coincident with the beginning of economic recessions. Uh, so we might find that the economic recession overlaps the earnings one from possibly the fourth quarter of this year into the half first half of next year. Only about 30 seconds left here, Sam. As you know, the 60-40 portfolio hasn't been a winner this year. Could it make a comeback in 23? And what would that look like if it could, if it does? Well, that's an interesting question because uh, certainly the 60-40 is something that investors have had to worry about. But traditionally, going back over the last 50 years, uh, we have found that the, the next year after a decline in a 60-40 portfolio, we have seen the market up or the portfolio up by a little more than 13 percent, uh, rising in price uh, almost 80 percent of the time. 
uh, I think the real problem is what will equities be doing? Because in most of those cases, what was dragged down of the 60-40 portfolio was the 60% equity side, mm-hmm. not the 40% bond side. Right. Thanks for this, as always. Hope you have a happy holiday and a and a prosperous new year for sure. Sam Stovall is Chief Investment Strategist at CFRA. Prosperous this morning, at least in the futures contracts. We have uh, gains, modest gains across the board. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.